You can have a seat. Nope. Stand no, up. Can't. Seriously, this is the second service. Come on. Um, we are going to, uh, to recite the scripture together. It comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 34, if you would recite with me. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear to many. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Now, that last song that we do, The Great I Am is a song that I call it a uh, throw your cup down song. Uh, it's one of those songs that just builds and you just like, it, like you, if you allow yourself to be taken into that song and to feel the power of that song, you just want to throw your cup down and, and just get all over it. Right. All right that, all right, that's the reaction that I have. Um, and then, and then we come up here and we recite the scripture together. Buzzkill. Um, it, it is, it just kills my mood, really. It, it kills my spirit. Now, we don't do really, uh, recitation of scripture, communal recitation of scripture in New Heights pretty much ever. Um, and there's a reason. I don't like it. Now, I do think that there's a lot of power in it. There is a lot of power when the group, when the body, when the sons and the daughters stand together and proclaim God's scripture. Yes, that is awesome. I also believe that there is power when we do something like the Nicene Creed, when we recite that together. Or we stand and, and pray in the way that our Father taught us to pray. All of these different things, I, I know that there is power in them. But for me, I sometimes get a little, I don't know, irritated with it because Jews aren't like that. This was not a written form of communication. It was oral. The Jewish culture, the culture at the time of Jesus, was an oral society. They passed down the stories from one person to another by sitting around and telling them. And if you've ever been to uh, Jerusalem or anywhere where a group of Jews are gathered together, you will know that they are not quiet people. They're not people who sit in a room and go, It's great to be here today. I would like to talk to you about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? They're very loud and demonstrative people. They're my people. Part of my blood is Jewish. And, and they're loud, excited. This is stuff that is amazing. But sometimes when we read communally, we lose that. Here is Scripture according to Am I about to blow up? 
I feel like there's something that's about to come out of the floor. Is this a Chevy Chase moment where I'm just going to drop through? Anybody get that reference? More power if you did. So this is Eugene Peterson's version. It's called The Message. And this is the same scripture. And the way in which I think maybe, maybe it would have gone down. Before I, before I do this, let me back up a few moments and tell you what's going on. Right? So Jesus has died on the cross, gone into the grave, conquered death, gone to his disciples, said, hey, go into all the world, proclaiming the good news, teaching people to, about my love, teaching them to obey me to all nations, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Right? Remember this? He sends them out in the Great Commission at the end of the book of Matthew. He sends them out. He, he sees them once again, if you're following along in the book of Acts. Again, he gives them these orders. Do you know what the first church did? They hung to themselves. Right? They just stayed with themselves. They were Jewish, and so they hung around the Jews. And they went to different Jewish people, and they were talking about the Messiah, that this is the Messiah we've been waiting for. This is him. And they spread the news to their people. Peter, who was the first person put in charge of the church, was doing the very same thing. Right before this happens in the book of Acts, you have um, Saul, who has his little encounter with Jesus, and he becomes Paul. And he begins to shake the chains a little bit and say something to the effect of, hey, this message isn't just for the Jews, it's for everybody. And Peter and the rest of the disciples are like, no, we don't think so. So Peter finds himself on the top of his house one night, and he's very hungry. He's waiting for this meal to be made, and he goes into this prayerful mode, and a trance, if you will. And he sees this vision. He has this vision. Coming down from heaven is a sheet, and on top of the sheet are all of these animals. And as he looks at the animals, he realizes that every one of them is unclean. See, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, you have a list of animal after animal after animal that is unclean. And you shall not touch those animals. You shall not eat of those animals or you too will be unclean. God's very clear about this. And so he sees them. And then he hears this voice say, Peter, kill one of those animals and eat it. And Peter goes, ah, no, 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 you can't trick me. I know what's happening here. This is a test. You said these are unclean. I can't eat these things. They're unclean. And God says, um, anything that I've made is clean. Anything I've created is good. So how about we deal with that? And Peter, of course, because God is telling him this, goes, ah. And then the voice says, there's about to be a few guys who are going to knock on your door. They're coming from a Roman guard over in Caesarea. He's a guy after my heart. I want you to go and I want you to talk to him. Sure enough, ding dong. And these guys, they open the door and there's the soldier and two of the servants from this guy named Cornelius. And they say, hey, our master Cornelius, he's a Roman centurion over in uh, Caesarea. And uh, he said he had like this dream. And there's some guy by the name of Peter saying here. Is that ring a bell with anybody? And Peter walks in. He goes, yeah, it's me. Come on in. They spend the night. The next day they go to Caesarea. And they go into the presence of this Roman guard. And the Roman guard says, oh, I'm a man of God, after God's heart, and, and I love God, and I give to the poor, and I do all these things. And God told me that it was noticed, and I should send to Joppa, to this guy, Simon the Tanner's house. There's a guy named Peter staying there. And then he'll come, and he'll tell me what I need to know. So would you tell me what I need to know? 
And Peter says, look, it's not even right for me to come into your house. There are laws written about this. I cannot actually walk into your home. Until now. Because God's opening new doors. And this is his response as he goes in. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are, where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door's open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere for everyone. You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all of this because God was with him. And we saw it. Saw it all. Everything he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem where they killed him. Hung him from a cross. But in three days, God had him up. Alive and out where he could be seen. Those are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see the difference there? When you have a message that is that amazing and wonderful, you don't say, they hung him on a cross. And in three days, God brought him back so that we could see. No. Like, how many of you have ever cooked a really good meal and posted it on social media? Raise your hands. Come on. It's Easter Sunday. Don't lie to Jesus when you're in his room. Yeah, right? How many of you have gone to a restaurant and said, best fish tacos ever? Click, send. OMG, just found the best recipe for this. Oh my gosh, you should go to this restaurant. Over and over again. How many of you go on vacation and tell us about it even though we don't care? <laughs> right? Look where me and my family are. Isn't it great? Look how wonderful. So blessed to have the perfect family unlike you. <laughs> right? That's what we're saying to one another. And we can't stop talking about ourselves and the good things that happen to us. We all do it. Right? We all do it. I'm so blessed to have the love of my life say yes after 16 years of marriage, still say yes. <laughs> you know, but we want to talk about these things. Right? We talk about all that kind of stuff. We talk about stuff that no one else cares about. My baby girl just made big poopy. You know, I mean, seriously, it's almost to that level. The little emojis after that, you know, you know the one. But we do all these sorts of things, you know, that Instabrag type deal that we just throw it out there all the time, all the time. This is news that we think the world needs to know. But yet when it comes to this news, most of the time, the only time we talk about it is communally. And in three days, God raised him from the dead. What? If we're going to post something, this is that message. 
We've been talking about what it looks like to be loved. And and last week we talked about this vulnerability of love that in order to truly give love to someone, you have to open yourselves up and bear everything, right? And we talked about that the cross was that moment of vulnerability for Jesus. That Jesus had the power to stop what was going to go down, but he didn't. He said, because I love you, I am willing to open myself up and bear it all. Because I love you. Because I want you to know that you're loved. Because I want you to know that you have life. And we get to this day. Where the ladies, they go to anoint his body and he's not there. The gardener is like, hey, who who are you looking for? Because it's really Jesus, right? Uh, Who are you looking for, ladies? And they realize it's him. What do they do? What do they do? You remember? When they followed his feet and they grabbed him, he's like, whoa, hold on. The story doesn't stay here. No. You better get going. And so they leave him and they run to begin to tell the story. If it were today, it would have been 140 characters, right? But it wasn't. And they're Jewish and there's a whole lot more. They run. And they go tell the story. They go tell the story of what true love looks like. That love so great and wonderful that you are able to come and to drop the things that bind you at the altar. You're able to come and to say that I have been oppressed by my own addictions. I have been oppressed by insecurity. I have been oppressed by depression. I have been oppressed by a wandering eye. I have been oppressed by lying. I have been oppressed by whatever it is. And say, no longer, no longer am I a slave to those things. No longer am I held back. Because as that song so beautifully says, I am a child of God. I am a son, I am a daughter of the Most High God who loves me so much. He was willing to lay it all out there. But see, the thing is, much like social media that gets everywhere, that's what this message is supposed to do too. But what we have done for so long is we have kept that story to ourselves. We've kept it to us. We've said, this is my story. This is my song. Loving my Jesus all the day long. Or if you want to go a little bit more modern, not that much more. My Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you. We focus on that my section a whole lot. And here's the deal, the criticism I got from my wife after the first service, and she was right. She said, but there is a personal thing there. You're right. There is absolutely a personal relationship between you and God. And that is what God longs for is to have that relationship with you. But it's not just yours. And it's not just ours as the church. It isn't a message that should only stay in this room. It's a message that should be broadcast throughout the world, telling people that Jesus loves them. 
telling people that because of his death and resurrection, they too can have eternal life. They too can have freedom from those things that bind them. There is power inside of them greater than power in this world. But we, as the church, so often have held that to ourselves. We, as the church, have so often said, this is our story, not yours. Even Peter did it. Even Peter, at the very beginning, when he's beginning this movement that Jesus goes, all right, now go get him, fellas. Gives him the old coach slap on the, on the bottom, you know. And they run into the game, and they're like, okay, let's just get our team together, the Jews, and forget those other people. I was like, no. When I said all nations, I'm in all nations. Everybody. This time last year, um, if you remember, I had just gotten back from Israel. And um, this was my first Sunday back. A few days earlier, I had been in the tomb of Jesus um, in, in Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And it was just an amazing experience. And I let you know at that time that um, he wasn't there. It was still empty. Um, I have it on good authority that it is still empty. Um, otherwise, you, I think people will be posting about that. Uh, so, so you can go into the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There's a lot of things around Jerusalem and around Israel where they're like, we believe this happened here, but we kind of really don't know. We just kind of feel like it did. Um, the tomb thing, most scholars and academics are like, yeah, this is it. Um, so it's pretty crazy when you walk in there. So this church, Church of the Holy Sepulchre, is built around it. It's huge, big old church, the big dome. And the interesting thing about this church is when you walk inside, there's different groups of Christians in control of different areas. It's very strange. I've never seen a church this way. It's like in this room, it's Methodist, but you go into the parlor and there's Episcopalians in there, you know, um, type thing. Uh, sorry, they're, friend, they're friendly. Um, but so you walk in and there's this little section of the church where the Catholics are in control and, and it's very Catholic oriented in decoration and, and the way they function. And the people you see, you're like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. Um, that's Catholic. And then you go into this other area where the tomb is and it's Coptic. Um, it's run by the Coptics. And in that you may go, huh, they they believe what I believe. Um, their Jesus is the same dude uh, type thing because they're a little different. They wear really tall hats. Uh, for one thing, which I don't know why I just thought of that, but they do. Uh, quite wonderful. Um, and, and they have built this kind of shrine around the actual tomb. And at the other side of it, there's all this, like, you know, icons. And, and um, some people may think really tacky and kitschy um, decorations. I think actually strangely beautiful um, in, the, in their adoration for what's going on there. But they have, you walk in, and then you, you have to kind of crouch down and go into the actual place where um, the stone is. And it's just this weird, you're waiting in line, and, you know, when you wait in line sometimes, okay, when I wait in line, I I get antsy, and I start, you know, throwing out jokes to, you know, calm the crowd down, and I might talk about the funny hats, um, something like that, and a little irreverence is what I'm saying it happens. And, and so, but then you, you kind of make this transition into the actual place, and just something changes. And so I go in there with Danielle, who is on staff now here in, in our children's ministry. She and I go in, and, um, and we, it's, it's really small. And the, the lady who's controlling it is going, hurry up, hurry up, because uh, there's a lot of people, and they're trying to close. 
And, and we're like, no. Um, and it's almost an international incident that happened. And so she and I looked at each other kind of like this, dude, that, that's it. And we didn't know if like we could reach out and touch it. You can tell that it's been touched for generations because it is so smooth. But you reach out your hand. And so right next to this, there's this little wall. And in the wall, there's a little hole. And through that hole and through that little wall um, is a priest, a Coptic priest. And he sits there 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all the time. I mean, not that guy. They rotate him out. That would be really cruel. I'm pushing it, right? But there's, all, there's a Coptic priest there all the time. And what this guy's doing is praying. He's like looking into this thing, and he's just praying. Praying, praying, praying. I know this guy's here, and I'm a little, I don't know if creeped out is, is the right word. I'm, I'm a little, because I'm like, in my mind, because this is just me, I'm thinking as I reach out to touch it, he's going to reach his hand out and slap me. No, 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 sorry. And I was thinking about it. The differences between me and that guy are huge. Huge. Like, I have no idea what that guy's life is like. I have no idea what his struggles are. No idea what he worries about if he does. I have a feeling if you're sitting next to the, the tomb of Jesus 24 hours a day, your worries are pretty small. Except, I don't know, maybe you're going to get bombed. Maybe somebody's going to attack. I don't know what he deals with on a day-to-day basis. He has no clue and could not fathom the problems that I deal with. Like, if I went to him and I said, hey, I'm really worried if my son's going to get to pitch the Little League game this week or not, you know? Be like, what is this little league you speak of? <laughs> is this a prayer thing? Uh, praying goes on. Just weird things, right? The Western and Eastern world, the differences there. Uh, just so many differences that what we have in common is the fact that we believe in what happened on that tomb. And we believe that who was laid there got up on his own. And I think what we also believe is that that message isn't just for he and I, but it's for the people across the old city a little bit, up on the Temple Mount. The ones who are in control of the foundation of where the Temple of God was built. The Muslims. This message is for them. Jesus died and conquered death and said, this is the love I have to give for all of you. And maybe it's time that he and I begin to remember that more and begin to live into that more. Maybe it's time that we as a church begin to remember that this message of hope and salvation and grace and mercy is for everyone including the people that the church, through words, through actions, through perceptions, over the years has shut out. There's groups of people that we've said, yeah, Jesus loves you, but we don't. And we get into fights with one another. And we have these differences of theological opinion that we think are earth-shattering and going to bring the entire world structure to its knees if we don't figure out how you actually serve communion. Or do you completely hold a child underwater to get them baptized? Or is just the top of the head enough? 
And we get into these theological discussions that are so ancillary, but we fight about it. And the world looks on going, oh, the love of Christ looks really welcoming. They hate each other. What if we truly lived resurrected lives? What if we truly lived lives in which we understood what it meant to be a child of God, a son, a daughter, to be liberated, to be set free from the things that bind us, and to understand and to know that that message isn't ours alone. That it's a message that should go into the world. A world of hurt, a world of sickness, a world of shame, a world of despair. Because we have a message of hope and peace and liberation and love. If we are truly to believe this Easter message, then we understand that the Easter message isn't just one day a year. It shapes our entire lives. It is who we are. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, following the commandments of Yeshua, our Savior, to go into the world to teach people about my love. And to remember surely that he will be with us to the very end of the age. This is good news. If you were Jewish, you would have said something there. If you were a Baptist church, you would have shouted hallelujah at least. Come on, Methodists! Now, see, now you're just patronizing me. See? I don't believe it. Like, you know, I just, I don't feel it. This is a message that we have. It's a message of hope and mercy and peace and love. Who doesn't want to hear that? I don't want to hear about your nachos that you had, but I want to hear that you've been freed from addiction. Right? Thank you. Start doing some Eddie Murphy up here. Oh, this side of the room apparently watches great movies. The worship team is coming back up right now, and, and we're going into a song. Did y'all change? Are you doing the same song? Hmm. They listened to my recommendations apparently really well. Hey, we should flip the songs. No. I know. You don't tell me what to say. Um, so we're coming into a song right now because I feel like I want to get you up and I want to get you riled up, but I can't because we're about to go into a little song like this. Um, and so I can't get you fired up, and let, let's go. You know, uh, Jesus, Savior, I don't know, something like that. I was trying to think of, you know, Boomer um, We've got spirit, yes, like the Holy Spirit type deal. <laughs> Anybody recognize that I had caffeinated coffee this morning instead of decaffeinated, which I normally drink? <laughs> um, but what I want you to do is this. I, I want you to get to a place. Everybody stand. We're coming into a song that begins slow, but the message is powerful and it builds up in this message. It's a message that talks about what we have been given and the cost at which we paid. What we were given, this life, this hope, this peace, this mercy, this love, this grace, this salvation, cost us nothing. Because of that, It should be very easy to give it back. It should be very easy to become people, to become the church, to become the sons and daughters of the Most High God that understand what it means to be truly loved and that to go into the world and love in the same way. Let us be those people. Amen.